0: And welcome to Simple Talk, Simple Truth, with your host Renee Maimone. Good morning or good evening, folks, whatever time of the day it is there. This video or audio is going to focus on the crucible of what parents go through in very serious situations with their kids. And they can be adult kids. I'm going to share the testimony of my son's kidnap when he had just turned one years old. It was six days later that he was taken. So I want to stop right there and I want to pray over this audio because one was already done on this. And it got somehow lost. At least half of it did, which means it needed to be redone. And I'm all too glad to do it, but I'm, I want to pray for the listener and I want to pray over the audio. Heavenly Father, I just come to you right now. And I lift up the testimony where you have shown your hand in such incredible ways. And I don't want to share so much the specifics, but on how you moved through such a crucible time. Lord, I pray that your words throughout this video, how the Holy Spirit speaks, would resonate in the heart of every listener to break barriers and bondages and even to snap the yokes. Of what families endure when they have a loved one that's in a very serious predicament. Lord, I pray that this word would reach farther than even what I can anticipate. I pray your protection over it from beginning to end. I pray against any darkness that would try try to come to hinder the video from getting out through any outlet. Father, you own it all, and I lift this word up to you for your perfect will to be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, folks, let me get right into this testimony, and I pray that You would gain hope and a little bit more comfort at this time with what you're going through. Okay, this was back in 1991, and I was driving back home to my apartment from a third interview that I had with those who remember Dr. D. James Kennedy of the Crystal Cathedral in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And so I had no idea what I was about to walk into. I was mentally preparing the rest of my day. And lo and behold, after I put the key in the door, I opened the door to an apartment that was void of anything that would resemble a child living in that home. I'm telling you, there was no article of clothing. There was no crib, no swing, no baby formula, bottles, nothing in there. And of course the child was taken. You can't imagine something like that. Uh, the, the, The whole crux of it doesn't even hit you yet. The reality of it doesn't hit you yet. The first thing you do is you call The police. And that was done. And when they came to the home, they had a hard time with this because they found nothing in there. One of them even said to me, Ma'am, are you sure there was a child in here? Well, I had to even search for the birth certificate. And they began to do an investigation into this and an investigation on me because they didn't know what to make of it. There was nothing in there that even indicated there was a child that lived in there. Well, they called me in the day later and it was this soundproof room and the name of the person that was watching my son was active in the church, but I had no clue that this was on the agenda. No clue whatsoever. And so everything had been turned over to the police. And I'll never forget their words were, ma'am, you're clean as a whistle, but this other person comes with many cl- you know colors. And at that point, uh, everything was turned over to the feds who then got involved. And the case at that point became a national case. Shortly thereafter, John Walsh, who was who's recognized as America's most wanted, but he had not stepped into that media aspect yet. He was known back in 1991 for running what was called the Adam Walsh Foundation. This was an organization he named after his seven-year-old son, who was kidnapped about five minutes from where my son was in Hollywood, Florida. And unfortunately, it was a different end for him. But needless to say, at this time, it was very critical. Reality set in may have taken just a day for the reality of that to set in you know, that the uh, prior thoughts of maybe them bringing the child back or something was going to just, just make the situation uh, not as drastic. But then you realize that's not happening. And you're now living a kidnap case. And so I lost my, my home. I lost my car. I lost my job. In my pursuit to find my son. Now, interestingly enough, there was a woman by the name of Casey who's known by my family. Extraordinary, very nice woman. She had been prepared by God for six months to have me come stay with her. The Lord never told her why. All he said to her was, Prepare the home. Renee will be coming to stay here and prepare the third room for a child. Now, Casey had indicated to me when I went there that she had been praying to adopt a child or foster a child. And so to me, that was um, an indication of why she had prepared the room for a child. Her heart's desire was obvious, and there was nothing there that indicated to me that that room was going to be used for my son at all. So I had no comfort believing that the home that I was going to see him in that home. As a matter of fact, there's a whole array of things that go through the mind of a parent when you go through this. It's uh, it's a very tormenting time. I can't describe to you, unless you've been through it, that it's not a matter of going by from day to day, but hour by hour sometimes is a very difficult thing to do. Showering, doing the mundane things that you still need to do, become very difficult to do. And in the process, the, the, the heart begins to break so much that it begins to affect the human body. And even though you're pushing in the flesh and you're fighting in your flesh to fight with everything in you for the life of your child, on the inside, you're actually dying. Many years later when I went back to college and I had taken physiology and anatomy and I love all that, But once I studied how the body works at critical times like this, I realized that my vision going blurry and this darkness that I had entered that was beyond anything I had ever gone through previously or since was such an indication of a severe broken heart to the point where You're actually on the verge of dying from a broken heart. And so there's a lot of details to this case. Uh, It became known as the most critical case solved within the shortest amount of time. Now, that short time was not that short, but it was a very critical case. This is before Amber Alert came into play. And I believe it was John Walsh's foundation that played a significant role in establishing Amber Alert, because at the time, just when each state got jurisdiction, the abductor can hop over the state line. And that, that other state, that new state that they enter into, they need to now reestablish jurisdiction in that state. The Amber Alert basically ties it in together that once it becomes a national issue, any state now can pick that up and run with it without having to obtain jurisdiction in each and every state. I can't begin to tell you how how many times I've been on the phone talking to a whole array of state attorneys up and down the East Coast of Florida and Uh, it It was a race. It was a race, and at times we didn't know what was going to happen. And so early on, I had taken this into prayer, and I really couldn't understand what happened to me. One of the things you go through is you, as believers, you question, where did I go wrong? What did I do? It had to be something I could have done. I was trying to be the good Christian mother that I felt called to be. The home was a clean home on many levels. I mean, there were no loose ends. I uh, was involved with ministerial work. Uh, you know, I, I can't begin to tell you the questions that had gone through my mind, and and it didn't make sense. You know, it's those issues that sometimes you'll find yourself in, even as a believer, that doesn't make sense. In other words, there's an AKA next to that. Doesn't make sense, also known as God drops the ball, or AKA, where is God, or AKA, why did this happen to me, type thing. And so. I went before him in prayer and I asked him to please answer for me what had transpired, what happened, where is this in scripture. And the word I got back surprised me. I don't, maybe I didn't know what to expect to hear, but what I got back was the name of a man, and it was the word or name Joseph. And I assumed it had something to do with some spiritual aspect of things. And at that time I got very upset and I told him, I really just want to know where my son is. And again, he repeated the name Joseph in my heart. And so... Somehow, once I calm myself down, I uh, imagine that maybe there's some kind of an answer in there. There's an answer. And, you know, to have to put the phone down and not make my calls felt like I was throwing myself backwards. But I I found the tenacity and the peace to put the phone down. And I picked up the the, the word. I, I had no idea what Joseph, he was talking about or where to read or, and I'm just thumbing through and I happened to hit Genesis and something told me stop and read. And that's what I did. And I began to become acquainted with Jacob, the story of Jacob that I had not known before. And, um, I read about his son and I read what transpired in this man's life. And I'm not going into the story, if y'all are familiar with it, you know what the story is about. If you're not familiar with it, it's an incredible story to become acquainted with, and it is in the book of Genesis. There are several chapters, and I think you're really going to enjoy this story. And so when I got to the end of the chapter, there was some kind of hope uh came into my 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 being and uh something was telling me uh on the inside I felt it was the holy spirit telling me you're living the joseph life but i have an expected end for you i didn't really understand what that meant except for a calling on my life because there were many difficult things even after that issue that's you know things just that continue to go on and um well, I mean, in my frame of mind that I was in, my the heartache that I was going through as the days go by, the days are very long. And even though I got that word, it wasn't God letting me know you're going to see Him or when you're going to see Him. But something, some kind of faith rose up inside of me that one day I would see Him. Again, the only problem was you don't know when, what year was it when he would be 15 years old or 20 years old or five years old. I didn't know when, you know, your whole life flipped upside down, absolutely flipped upside down during this time. And so that was the beginning of God beginning to reach out to me and showing me that regardless of the situation, that he was in control. It's a very hard thing to go through and put your emotions at bay. I mean, something inside of you wants to believe that, but your emotions are uh, go against the grain of the spirit. And if your thought process jumps board... And starts to think negatively, and you look at what happened to the right—somebody, somebody's family over here, or somebody's family over there. You know, uh, children on milk cartons at that time—they used to do. Uh, children still not found. If you surround yourself with the negatives, you really are going to sink. So it—it it almost forced me to backflow. By faith just back float. don't look to the left don't look to the right stay as hopeful positive as I could but there were also many hours of a day where I couldn't. it was hard and it was like a roller coaster just a roller coaster and so um, I can share with you a couple of incidents that had occurred during this time. Uh, I was feeling very desperate and it was one of the moments where I just needed to hear from God again. This was as we were getting closer to the, uh, closure of the case. Um, and I had called the prayer line and it's one of those things, you know, when you're a parent, you know, parents know how to get in God's face at a time of desperation. That's one thing we're known for, especially the mothers. And this little old man, I guess, had answered the phone. I was so desperate. I spoke to him as if I was speaking directly to God. I bypassed him and went straight to God. And I had said, um, you know where my son is. I have to know where my son is. And it kind of bothered me that God knew the facts, and I was going through this tremendous turmoil within myself. This it it was it was just awful thing to go through, and I felt it wasn't fair. Why couldn't I know where he was? And so the man responded. He called me by my name. I had never given him my name, and. He told me I was going to hear by Monday. Well, it was on a Wednesday. And one of the things I was concerned about when the weekend approached was, I hope and pray to God that was not a false prophet because I had seen that in my lifetime. And so, um, you know, I had was waiting for Monday. I was anticipating Monday, but almost afraid that I would find out that that was just a nonsense phone call I was on. I was afraid of getting let down. I couldn't let myself get too excited, just in case. So it was Monday morning. Finally arose, and 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 uh, we were at nine o'clock. It was early. We had the day to go, but then it was twelve noon. It became two o'clock, and now I'm starting to get concerned because five o'clock is approaching, and like with anything else, everything closes at. 4 5 o'clock, people go home. Legal offices go home. State attorney's offices go home. You know, the daytime work sort of comes to an end at the close of day. People have their families to go home to, they have a life. But your day continues when you're in a situation like that. Five o'clock doesn't end for you. No hour ends for you when you're going through something like that. And so now it's four o'clock and there was still nothing. Five o'clock approached. And it was still flatline. And I can remember becoming so upset. You have no idea. And I got very angry. Very angry. And I um, i can't begin to tell you what was going through my mind. I mean, I almost collapsed from the whole realm of it. Finally, at 9 o'clock, the phone rang in. And it was Detective Jolice jersey um and she had told me that they had spotted my son who seemed to be well in good form and they were preparing to close in and i couldn't believe it i couldn't believe it you know uh it wasn't exactly at the midnight hour you know we hear that uh god waits until the midnight hour um, but it was quite a test, quite a test. And it was John Walsh that had flew me up to get him. You know, there were the details that occurred after that. There was a plan the feds put together. It was, it was quite, a, quite a story. I, could, I guess I could write a book on this. And um, surprisingly enough, uh, the state of New Jersey try, almost put their heel on this They had found out what happened and they had contacted us in Florida telling us that if we were not there by midnight, the child was going to be turned over to the state and we would have to go through a barrage of legalities to get him back into custody with his family. Can you imagine through an incident like this? I could hardly believe it. And lo and behold, The plane did not make it up there by midnight, you know, so you got the whole thing of running to the gate and running here and police picking you up and racing to the location where they were. And it was a place where, you know, authority had been um, established, even though it was not the proper authority. My son was in the wrong hands, but God had intervened again. And we were able to simply take him and walk out with him. And then we had flown by the next morning back to Florida. And so I want to speak directly to the parents that are going through exhausting measures of trial with a child, whether on drugs, uh, whatever the case may be, a parent not knowing Where that child is. Sometimes the child not knowing where they are. You're not as in control as you think you are or as you want to be. You know, for 15 years, just because I got him back, I'm now a parent of post kidnap syndrome. And what that is, is you don't let that child out of your sight, no matter what. There is a second half to that of what a parent goes through. And so for 15 years after that, it was to the point where I couldn't live like that anymore. I had finally prayed to God and I asked him to take it off of me or take me home. I couldn't continue living like that. And, you know, there were certain incidents that happened, even they were threatening situations that had occurred uh, prior to him being 12 years old and maybe another one once he became an early teenager. I will share one with you that I really hope will speak to your heart as a parent. I was teaching a youth group and various ages and we had just gotten back from an event, and I was living in a condo at the time, and all the kids were in front of my unit where I could hear them. And I was inside, and thought "Everybody, they're right here. Everything's fine. I thought everything's in, under control. This is good. I happened to turn on Christian TV, and it was a favorite song of mine came on, and I was just having such a good day. And I turned that volume up, and I was just really getting into it. I thought, kids are right there. Everything's good. Uh, Was it really good? Well, they had taken themselves to the front of the complex. I didn't know that. They weren't supposed to go, but they went to the front of the complex. Well, right after that, there was a pickup truck that came into the vicinity and there were three hoods that sat up from the pickup truck. They were all armed because they raised their rifles. The kids then screaming, going, Across the lot into an empty lot, running through the lot. The pickup truck jumped over the sidewalk and chased them through the empty lot. At this point, they began firing. My daughter told me afterwards it was a bullet. She felt the wind of the bullet fly between her ribcage and her arm. Another person who was in my youth group, her name was Anna, she felt the wind of the bullet pass her head. Bullets were flying everywhere. None of these youth got hit with a bullet. They were able to make it inside, crossing through an area of the fence, whatever made it inside, stormed right through the condo. They were absolutely horrified. And I I couldn't understand what had happened. And they told the whole story. Later that night, the hoods must have come back because the bullets ended up in areas of the fence and those. Pieces of the fence, large portions of the fence, were ripped out of the ground and taken. There were many bullets. And so that evening, the Lord had dealt with me and said to me, Are you in control? The way you think you're in control? You think you're in control? Did you know about the pickup truck? Did you know that they even left the area to go towards the entrance of the complex? Did you know they were screaming for their life as they were running through the lock? Were you able to prevent the bullets from reaching them? Were you in control of all of that? And I said, no. You know, it was another piece of the picture that I was going through in my walk with God that helped me to realize that we're not in control the way we think we're in control. I can't tell you how vital it is to continue to pray over your children. God hears these prayers. Pray for their protection. Just continue to pray. Parents, the word tells us that every hair on our head is numbered. Ask yourself, was there ever a time where you taken the time to count every hair on your child's head? Of course you have it. It's not as significant, but it's very significant to God. Their entire being, they're his creation. He knows everything about them. He probably knows them better than we know them as parents. He knows how he's working on the inside of them. He knows what he's doing, even when it seems like He doesn't know what he's doing. Don't give up your faith, even when we have to ask why. We don't understand what's going on or why we have to feel that kind of pain. Why does some kind of faith lesson have to come in through something like that? Couldn't have been something else, another situation? But then you ask yourself, anything that your child goes through is an issue. It becomes a serious issue. If it's a life-threatening disease, if it's through a kidnap, uh, an auto accident, whatever the case may be, drugs, that's a big one. They're all serious issues. Don't disconnect from God. Keep your faith, no matter how small it is. Because even the small faith is still great faith to him. He has not abandoned you. He's not throwing you to the curb. The situation may look unfair. It may seem brass and cold and just not fair to have to endure some of these more serious things. You know, God knows at my age, I'm going to be 60 and I've endured a lot. That's just one. And got many testimonies of how God had showed up, walked me through. I've been in the faith now almost 40 years. And there's a lot I could say. And in this new Jewish new year, at this time, the Lord has put it on my heart to begin these audio tapes to reach out you know, on various things, I guess, that he puts on my heart. And the testimony of the kidnap is definitely one of them. But I want to specifically point out the parents that are going through a not knowing when it comes to their children that are entrenched in some serious addiction. You know, last night I was happened to be reading a prayer request that ended up on Facebook from uh, one of the Facebook acquaintances who wrote in explaining what this one mother was going through and asking for prayer. She had been working with her daughter, I guess, and now the daughter went from meth to heroin. And unfortunately, at this time, she had no idea now where her daughter was. And she was crying out in desperation for prayer. And my heart is that these videos will go wide. If you happen to be listening to this and you know somebody going through it, please share it. I think the parents can use a lot of comfort these days. If there is some kind of a group that you know of in your state, in your county, some church that may have a gathering for parents going through these crises about their kids, maybe try to make a point to go to it, and you'll be prayed for. You'll see God's hand. You'll be able to get the support and comfort that you need instead of going through it by yourself. And if you don't have anything like that, reach out in prayer because these matters are heartfelt by people. Reach out for prayer and listen to faith-filled videos that you may find that talks about trusting in God during uncertainties and critical aspects of our life. Well, I want to leave you with one more short testimony that I think will speak volumes. Um, My son had been hospitalized several times, and we were on the 18th visit. And I'll never forget. I was getting upset, wondering and why, and you know, again faced with crisis, life and death issues. 18th visit. And I remember my prayer to God. I said to him, Well, you know, it looks like you're on a roll. Since you're running a marathon, why don't you make it 19? And I'm so sorry to have to be this honest with you. You know, I'm sure there's many at a time like this that are reaching out to God and challenging and confronting. And it's your heart crying out. He knows that. Well, it was quiet. Ten days later, my son had to go back. Do you know the number on the door was 19? And I'm going to be honest with you, at that moment, I heard from him in my heart. And he wasn't exactly pleased with me. And the words to me were, if I need him here a hundred times to teach him, what is that to you? And do you know, it actually saved me. Why? Because God knew there were going to be a total of 76 hospitalizations. I had no idea at the time how many times I was going to have to sit there, how many sleepless nights, how many times sitting over a hospital bed, how many times going into work the next day with two hours of sleep, the anguish. But each time after the 19th visit, it gave me faith that in the face of the nurses or the doctors coming to me and saying, are you aware of this? Are you aware of that? Are you? And I just simply remained calm. And I said, no, I'm not going to receive that. I, am, I know my God will come through. And regardless of what they thought of it, or how they may have snubbed me, some of them did. I refused to give in to fear. I refused to give in to medical dispositions, medical facts, because I know that God can supersede our realm with the things that he can do. All I knew is that during that specific time in my life, God was in more control than I was. And apparently he was showing me that he was the his first parent and I was the parent that he loaned his son to and that God was working in the situation. Strong, in a very strong way. You know. And I learned to give God the wheel. Through these situations that I've had to go through, I've learned through each and every one to sit back and give him more of the wheel because he knew how to maneuver and he knows how to move best when there's a lot of dust and a lot of uncertainty or chaos or whatever going around. He shows up real strong. And in the way and manner that he chooses to do it, he works with them from the inside out. We don't work that way with our children. We don't really work that way. We want to provide from the outside in. You know, God is not concerned so much about the outside. He's going the opposite direction, and he's working from the inside out. You know, I hope there's so much that I can say. But at this time, take rest in knowing that he's in full control. He knows where they are, exactly who they're involved with, who they're speaking to, what they're doing at every single moment, what's in their heart, what's in their mind. And especially when it comes to drug addiction, every day is threatening for us, every single day, sometimes by the hour. You're living not wanting to get that phone call that is dreaded to have to get that Phone call. And then sometimes it seems like so much time is going by and it's still the same situation. The only thing or best thing I can tell you to do is just remain in prayer. Don't give up praying and try to believe that He's got the best in store. You know, I don't have all the answers with a lot of things. But what I do know is that for right now, I've been compelled to speak to the hearts of parents that are going through crucible times. And I know God is sending hope through this audio. And you're hearing some of the testimonies for comfort. And it's not a coincidence that you're hearing this. So try to take a little bit of hope in that that it's, it's strongly possible that he's trying to let you know, I've got the situation. I have the situation. Just trust me. And so I want to just conclude now in prayer. Keep your faith. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on yourself. And in the end, everything is going to be okay. Lord, I want to pray right now that the hope through the Holy Spirit that has entered into the hearts of the listener will not be snatched away. That tonight you do something extraordinary and help parents to be able to sleep knowing that you're the ultimate parent and you have more concern for their children even than we do. And we pray right now for These children out there, whether they're teenagers or even young adults, right now, we plead your protection, your blood over them. We plead your angels over them. I ask you, God, to come into every cell of their being, that through all this, they would be made healthy, that their bodies would be restored, that their minds would be restored, that in this situation, with whoever this child is, that you would do exceedingly and abundantly above all that that parent could ask or think. We pray for your miracle hand to be revealed to those parents. We thank you, Lord, for moving mightily in that family's life. I thank you, Lord, for the acceleration of the praise reports. I I thank you, Lord, for revealing who you are to these children, that you meet them out there on the street in such an extraordinary way that they would know that they came in contact with their God. Lord, I just thank you that you would do this widespread and that you would allow the audio to reach every single person you want to them to hear and that it would not fall on deaf ears. We thank you, Lord, for all of this. In Jesus' name, amen.